0: Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. Today, I've got a fellow Welshman on the line. His name is uh, is Charlie Owen. so he's originally from the same country as myself. I'm from Wales, South Wales. I'm from the capital, Cardiff. He's from North Wales. He's now living in Australia, just up the coast, up in Queensland. And uh, he's a master coach who has personally helped hundreds of clients transform their relationships. Over the last three years, as well as impacting tens of millions online on the topic of relationships. So welcome to the show,
1: my man. Shemay, good morning. Borada. That means good morning in Welsh. So <laughs> I was a just saying Welsh man.
0: I know man. I was just saying yesterday, right? On your Instagram live. Embarrassingly, I don't speak Welsh. But from North Wales, right? Just to give by the way, like half of the audience are in America, but they won't have a clue, like most people won't have a clue in terms of where we're from. Let's just give them a little bit of a history check first, bro. So you're from North Wales,
1: you speak Welsh. Tell us a bit more about that, man. Yeah, so Wales is a part of United Kingdom. When people think of United Kingdom, they think of England, but there's actually four countries within the United Kingdom. So there's Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. And Wales is often the forgotten country. And it also has its own language as well, which is Welsh. And the government in Wales funds the language so much in schools and stuff to keep it alive. But then most of Wales actually speaks English. I'm not sure on the percentage, it'd be like 80%, 90% speak English as their primary language. Whereas in North Wales, there's still lots of pockets of small towns that primarily speak Welsh. Like I even know people who can't speak English, they only can speak Welsh. But there's not many of them left. 100%, yeah. And it's like that. And it gets a little bit hostile, let's be honest. Just to give them
0: again, because like North Wales, for example, like you're super close to England. I mean, Wales is, is a relatively small country, right? But um, there's some places which they just really, because obviously with the history, we're not going to go too deep into that, bro. Because we'll be here all day. But with the history, a lot of people up in North Wales, especially, they don't really, they have that hostility towards English people, right? If we're honest, like I know we kind of had that competition, right? Like when it comes to sports and stuff like that, long story short, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, We all, let's just say it, we all hate the English, right? Especially when it comes to sports and stuff, right? There are sworn enemies. But up where you're from, there's still a lot of that hostility, right? With even people who speak English in some areas, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Even like three generations ago, the Welsh locals used to burn the holiday properties of the English people because the English people from big cities who had more money would just buy up all the houses in Wales in these small towns. So they have a country escape. But then there was nowhere way for the Welsh people to live. So these proper Welsh nationalists used to burn down the houses like proper extremists back in the day. Crazy, man. Say a few sentences, bro, in Welsh. Just to give the audience a bit of a
0: check, because, again, I don't speak Welsh, right? And it's actually, you know, if I was to learn, try and learn from scratch now, obviously, I know a few words here and there. It would actually be a really hard language to learn, right? But obviously, you grew up
1: speaking it. Give us a few sentences in uh, Welsh. Charlie uh, Comrade Ashland and Australia Noid David Martin i awesome. Tell us what you just said in English. Hello, my name is Charlie. I'm originally from Wales. I came out to Australia. I'm 27 years old. And I'm speaking to mine <laughs> Love it. Um, but yeah, man, I'd
0: love you to give the audience. We always start the podcast really with uh, the guests just giving the audience a bit of a background. On, you know, I guess who you are and what I'm really curious myself, and I think the audience will be what inspired you to actually get into the space that you're in now with the relationship stuff?
1: Yeah. So, like we just said, from a super small town in North Wales, around 3,000 people population, and was there for 23 years, the first 23 years of my life. And I didn't really know anything else. And I was, feeling like it was super small town. And I was watching all these entrepreneurs online doing these big things. So I had access to these mentors, but nothing like that in person. And then I was there for 23 years and all I cared about was making money, making more money, like my self-worth is tied to money almost. And then I was just making more money than the people around me. Like that's all I cared about, that small town syndrome. And then it got to a point where I was with my ex-girlfriend and then she really wanted to go traveling, but I just really wanted to stay put and make money. And there was this like back and forth. And then my brother and I were going to acquire this business in the UK and it took about a year of due diligence and stuff, this big business. And it fell through in the end. And we're like, okay, my money's down the drain in this business, nothing else to lose. Let's go to Australia. So we stopped in Asia on the way, I was going to do six months around Asia, you know, find myself. But after five days, all the countries were closing down because it's during COVID. This was in March, 2020. And then we got to Kopanyang, which is an island in Thailand. And then it was wednesday night and then we turned on the news and friday um scomo said they're shutting the borders on friday to non-residents so the prime minister of australia said that so we're like oh shit, what do we do do we go back to the uk do we go to australia and luckily we came to australia and then we got in on thursday night literally the night before the border shut to non-residents isolated did farm work to stay in the country all this stuff and then my partner and i actually broke up so after a seven-year relationship came through a breakup. And then I moved to Brisbane, which is a city of like two and a half million people. I was like, how did I find myself here? A year, like not long ago, I was in this super small town, safe, making money in a seven year relationship. Everything was so certain. Now I find myself in the middle of a city for the first time ever, single for the first time in my adult life. No money, like hardly any money for the first time in my adult life didn't really know anyone. And I was like, fuck, this is literally square one for me. And then I used distractions, like, you know, sleeping around alcohol, hanging around with the wrong people for a long time as a vice. But then I actually started getting better. I started like getting into personal development, meditation, reading all the books, asking for help. And then I started sharing my wins on social media. Like It was like a journal for me on social media. And then people started resonating with that. I started building an audience. They're like, oh, you literally changed my life. What you said, you helped me get out of bed this morning. I was like, fuck, that feels really good. Like they're not just numbers on the screen, they're actual people. And I kept building this audience. And then a business coach reached out to me like, hey, did you do coaching? I was like, no, I never heard of it. Then he told me about it. I was like, fuck, this sounds amazing. You can make money and make a living helping people. I was like, great. So I just followed that curiosity so much. And then after about two years of coaching, landed on the topic of relationships. I'm like, this is the thing we want to do for the rest of our lives. And then came into a brand new relationship. Like I built myself up to the best version of me, came into a new relationship. And then we're both building this business together as relationship coaches. And yeah, managed to make a massive impact online. So if you told me to like five years ago that I'd be here now, I'd laugh at you. But yeah, I'm exactly where I need to be. It's crazy how life works, isn't it, man? And it's awesome. It's absolutely incredible.
0: That's a really, really fascinating story. I didn't know you came here just before all the COVID stuff happened because... You got here just in the nick of time, right? By the sounds of it. And yeah, man. So you met your girlfriend, Mia, how long ago? Sorry. About two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I'm going to get straight into the, uh, I'm going to challenge you, right, bro? Because I know a lot of the audience and you probably get this a lot, right? We talked about this yesterday. You know, you look quite young. You're 27 years old. Um, You know, you're not married, right? You know, I don't know where this mindset gets people, but they listen to these, oh, it's okay for him, or it's okay for them. I don't think that mindset's ever ever beneficial anyway. You know what it's like, wait yeah. till I'm married and have kids, wait now. But I would like to challenge you on that, right? Because you must get some pushback, right? Because you're 27 and you, you look a little bit younger. You get away with like 24, 25. Uh, obviously, you're not married yet. That's probably coming. Uh, yeah. So I'd like to just pick your brain on that in terms of how you manage that kind of pushback, because for me, really, I think with coaching, that, have you ever heard of uh, Stefan Speaks? Have you ever heard about him? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like he gets a lot of put He's not married. He's not in a relationship. But you know, coaching and helping people level up their relationship or fitness or whatever is ultimately people know the answer. Ninety nine percent of the time, people know what they should be doing. They just need a fantastic coach and mentor and almost therapist to guide them on the right track. Right. So, anyway, man. That was a bit of a tangent, but um, how do you manage that kind of inevitable pushback you get there?
1: Yeah, so there's three sections that people fall into. There's therapists, there's mentors, and there's coaches. Mentors would be like, if you go to a business mentor, it's someone further ahead down the line, and they're giving you advice. They're giving you the answers. That's mentorship, right? And then you have therapists, which... A lot of my clients have been having therapy for years and therapy can be great at the initial stage to help you like get out of the shit. But a lot of my clients have had therapy for years and years and years. It's like a subscription business. And then therapy helps you live with your problems. But I see coaching is helping you overcome your problems and give you the actual tools. And with coaching, it's asking great questions. People know the answers themselves. They just have to... Get rid of the layers of bullshit that's standing in the way, all the limiting beliefs, all the things they have been valuing that isn't actually important, all society expectations, all these things that are stored in their unconscious mind, these patterns from the past are all playing out in their current life. And it's just asking the right questions, digging a little deeper, and they come to their own conclusions and find the answers themselves. And the coach really just guides them along that journey. So I can see where you're coming from with the youth side of you're not married, you don't have kids yet. I can see that. And that'd be more of the mentorship side, like helping dads or something like that. That's not my niche right now. It will be eventually maybe. But with coaching, it's asking the right questions because people already know the answers. It just un- like detaching people from their own bullshit is how I explain it. Because they already know what they want to do. They've got so much potential and it's just unleashing that potential. Love that. Yes. Yeah, it's very similar to what I do, right? It's just a different space, health and fitness.
0: Helping because people believe their own bullshit, right? That's the thing. We're very good at that, aren't we? Right? Telling ourselves stories, believing them, and then uh, again, believing our own bullshit. But I love what you said there, right? Because coaching is helping people. And that is true, right? Because therapists, people got to be careful with that. Like if you've been, been seeing a therapist for a long, long time, right? Mm-hmm. And you're still not solving the problem, you got to start asking some questions, right? Because ultimately, like you say, you can have a therapist to help you cope and manage your issues. But unless mm-hmm. you're solving them, <laughs> what's the point, right? So I'd love to again pick your brain, man, in terms of like what you help people with and what the biggest kind of challenges you see. Okay, let's just ask you one question at a time here. Getting a bit excited. Um, <laughs> what are the biggest kind of things that come to mind in terms of people's biggest challenges with uh, struggles
1: in their in their relationship? I think the overarching theme is people don't learn the skills on how a relationship works, on how to be the best partner possible because a relationship is ultimately built up of two happy people and people forget that and they come into the relationship with insecurities and things like that so the first thing is doing the internal work sorting yourself out the individual work so you can come into that union unionship right but a lot of people haven't got the actual skill set on how to make that work a lot of people love their partner so much like i love and i care for you so much and it's never for a lack of love. It's a lack of skill. It's a lack of strategy, right? More force at something that isn't working isn't going to make it work. It's about changing your strategy. But people don't even know things like the love languages, like how you communicate love, how you want to receive love. They don't know about commu- basic communication skills. And it's these little things that will make the biggest difference. So the biggest issue I see in a relationship is the skill base of actually learning how to communicate, learning that men and women are different, that sort of stuff. And then also, they haven't really built up the friendship enough in their relationship. They're not spending enough time together. Your relationship will never rise to the level of the crazy intimacy and hot sex. It'll fall to the level of your friendship. And that's the baseline, right? And then whenever you have conflicts and stuff, it always hits the baseline, which is your friendship. So it's about building that up. So the biggest things I see is people not having a solid friendship in their relationship and people not actually knowing the skills on how to deepen their relationship Love it, man. Love it. But yeah,
0: the love languages, I did the test on that recently. Not sure how accurate it is, brother, right? But mine was, I think it was words of affirmation, my number one love language for me personally. Yeah. And then my girlfriend was um, gifts. funny enough. <laughs> she loves gifts, bro. She goes absolutely crazy. But I don't go with overboard with that, right? Because you can take that too far. And if it's not real and authentic, also access services at the top for her. But right. it's interesting, right, bro, because I consider myself to be quite self-aware but sometimes i still get caught into that mindset because we automatically give people what we want to receive sometimes right so it's mm-hmm. like i'm sometimes maybe giving her what i would like to receive like words of affirmation she doesn't want that she wants gifts no, but she wants acts of service though mainly i think that was a top score actually you know she wants to that she feels loved in terms mm-hmm. of those small acts of service and stuff so do you feel like that can be a problem as well people giving what they would like to receive
1: instead of thinking okay What is
0: going to make them feel loved?
1: Yeah. When you asked me the previous question of the biggest issues, it's like, fuckers about 15, which one do I choose? Um, Another one is- Go wherever you want
0: with it, man. If anything else comes to mind, just go wherever you want with it.
1: Yeah. So people think their partner is just another version of them. Men think their girlfriend is just a less hairy version of them. Women can think their boyfriend's just a more hairy version of them. But everyone is so unique in themselves. And the core concept is everybody wants to be loved for who they are not who you want them to be, not what you expect them to be, not your definition of success, not your values, not your beliefs. They want to be loved for who they are. But the problem most of the time is people love in the way that they want to receive love rather than finding out exactly how, they, how their partner wants to be loved and what's important to them. Because some things that are important to your partner won't be important to you. Like was, there's was a, a few months ago, Mia was watching like the Kardashians or something like that. And I I had judgment in my head. I was judging her in my head. I was like, fucking waste of time, Kardashians, bullshit, drama. Meanwhile, I watch football highlights when I'm eating food or something. And she thinks that's complete bullshit. Whereas I'm judging her and she's judging me when actually we're both completely different people and we're allowed to be our own people and we wanna be loved for who we are. So instead of me trying to changing her into like, you shouldn't watch that stuff or her changing me into, you shouldn't watch sport highlights can you actually love your partner for who they are and what they want rather than who you want them to be? I love that. And
0: who you are. And I'm just going to say what I think,
1: right? I think a lot
0: of people, a lot of us get caught, like a lot of people don't seem to know who they are, right? Really on a deep level because they haven't really done enough work on themselves, right? So that is obviously the most important thing, right? Self-love. I think lack of self-love. I don't think I know research shows that unanimously, the most leading cause of unhappiness is lack of self-love, right? So you've got to learn to love yourself, develop yourself, develop your character, you know, uh, become the person you need to be. Going back to, you
1: said, you know, love you for who you are
0: before you can attract the right person, right, man?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Becoming the best version of you and knowing yourself and knowing what makes you happy before going into a relationship. Because if you go into a relationship and you need that other person to be happy, then that creates all sorts of attachment issues and neediness. Whereas that's extremely unattractive to a potential partner. So you must know who you are before getting into a relationship or be willing to discover yourself while you're in that relationship and not just be consumed by the relationship. Because a lot of the issues that come up is people lose their own identity within the relationship. They've lost their sense of self and they only know the relationship. They only know, I only knew Charlie in the long-term relationship. I only knew my identity as the guy who was in a relationship from a small town. Then I came out of that relationship and I was in a big town on the other side of the world. I was like, my identity has been stripped away completely and I get to reinvent myself into whoever I want to be ready for my next relationship. So it's such a great opportunity, but a problem I see all the time is people jumping out of one relationship straight into another. So they never have to experience being alone. But by doing that, they're just going to keep recreating the same patterns in the next relationship. The same shadows will keep revealing themselves in the new partner until they're actually resolved. Yeah, man. Bang on. And what you
0: said then about people wanting to be, uh, not wanting to be, needing to be alone. Because a lot of people just listen to this now, they're going to mm. be like, oh my God, you know, the thought of being alone kind of thing. Right. And actually just being there with my thoughts and having to work on myself and do that deep work. Perhaps you need therapy. Perhaps you got to go to the gym more, you know, perhaps you need to develop better habits, right. to 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 make you the best version of yourself, as you say. So um, that is something that I see a lot of as well. Um, how would you like advise people on that though, right? Because again, I think it goes back to what we're saying. Like at some point, if you wanna be the best version yourself and you want to attract someone that is actually mm-hmm. going to complement your life and bring the best out of you, like you can't just jump from one relationship to the other. Like, you know, as it's, it's a definition of insanity, right? As Einstein said, doing the yeah. same thing over and over and expecting a different result.
1: Yeah. And there's a quote, called and there's a quote that goes something like all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit on his own in a room. Just on his own, with his thoughts, things coming up and feeling comfortable in himself and actually being friends with the voice inside his head or her head. And it's that inability is where we use vices and where we try and escape that. Because a lot of people probably haven't experienced love. They've only experienced need. Like maybe they think they love their partner, but actually they need their partner to feel enough. And there's things like that playing out all the time. So yeah, becoming happy on your own there's all the areas of life, right? There's your physical health, Get in the best shape of your life. That'll boost your confidence so much in your self-esteem mindset, work on your inner voice, become friends with yourself, your career. What are you doing for 40 hours a week? If you're doing something you hate for 40 hours a week and you wonder why you're unhappy all the time, it's not hard to work out, right? Your finances, are you unorganized or have you got your shit together with your finances? Cause that's the biggest issue that comes in relationships, right? You hear most marriages stem from finance issues. So get that sorted before you get into a relationship or be willing to work on it inside the relationship. And then the next one is social, family, and fun. Have you got a good social circle around you? Have you got a decent relationship with your family? Do you have fun outside the relationship? So it's like making sure you have all those areas of life as well as the relationship. So you work on them as well as the relationship. Because a lot of people abandon those areas of life when they get into a relationship. They make it their whole world, right? This is my whole world. I put all my chips on here. It's like the million, remember the million pound drop, the game show? It's like people put all their money on one trap door, which is the relationship. And when that falls through, they lose all their money. They lose all sense of self. So it's like fill up the rest of the areas of life. And then you'll be the best version of you in that relationship. Love that.
0: I'd love to get your perspective, my man, on attachment theory. Obviously, I had Adam Lane-Smith on, who's an expert in this field. I'd love to get your perspective, because that popped into my mind then when you said need instead of love, I think you said, right? And I thought when you said Mm -hmm. need, I thought of the anxious attachment style, right? Talk us through the different types of attachment, and I'd love to get your perspective on it in terms of how you see that play out with your clients and stuff.
1: Yeah, it plays out so much. When I was learning attachment theory, it really transformed my beliefs around relationships. So just to fill in the audience, there's three attachment styles. And I want you to think of them on a spectrum on one end of the spectrum is anxious on the other end is avoidant and in the middle is secure and everyone has their own needs. And yeah, the needs for connection with another human being and the anxious really craves reassurance and closeness and intimacy with their partner. That's their sense of connection, right? They, they need that almost. And then the avoidant is the other end of the spectrum where they need distance and they need their sense of self. They don't want to feel smothered in their relationship. They need distance so they can like, have that sense of independence. So can you see the conflicting needs there? It's like when the anxious attachment style kicks in, they need reassurance and they need that closeness. But if they're with an avoidant partner, when their attachment style kicks in, they get deactivated. So they want distance. They want a sense of self. They don't want to feel smothered. So it's an emotional roller coaster a lot of time, these two attachment styles playing out. And having the awareness around that in my programs, that's what I teach people a lot. It's like having the awareness around your needs, communicating your needs, and not actually feeling crazy for them. So they are valid. And it's so, I feel it's really true with the attachment styles. Yeah, man. And obviously
0: I told you about this yesterday. I'll share it again uh, with the audience, but obviously avoiding attachment is more my style, I think. And you said something yesterday as well when we talked, you said that you can have a bit of both, right? So you can be kind of secure and attached, or you can be secure and you can also have a bit of the anxiety. I never really thought of it like that, but uh, I think I'm a combination of secure and avoidant. I think I've got more secure, like I said to you yesterday, as I've matured. Cut a long story short, being with my girlfriend for over a year, we were together the three months. We went out for a meal to celebrate the three months, and we were talking about, it, so there's this big buildup to it, right? In terms of coming out of the honeymoon period, da-da-da-da. And what happened, it was like this subtle buildup on my head. I'm like, okay, because we, we made a joke out of it at first, but then because we arranged a meal and made a big fuss out of it, I thought, oh, shit, now we're celebrating this. And that, this means you're in deep now. There ain't no backing down. And because of my past history as well, being in four relationships, you know, two years, three years, long term, essentially, and I've essentially ended them all, right? So I was like, I don't want to break this girl's heart. don't want to bring it into my world, etc., etc." Plus, full transparency, first time I got my apartment, living in Sydney, the start of the summer, you know what I'm saying? The ego popped up. You can enjoy yourself now. You can play the field again. You know what I mean? Straight up. And I told I yeah, she knows all this anyway. I'm not, I've got nothing to hide. I'm, I'm open book. But long story short, finish with her out of the blue. We had that meal. Listen, this isn't how cold hearted this is to the audience, right? You got to laugh, though. We had the meal, right? Bang on, three months to celebrate. Then I finished with her straight after the meal, an hour after, right? I'm not proud of it, but it was the best thing that happened to us. Obviously, she's got a scar. We both got scars. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened because it's made us stronger. It made me realize what I'd lost. I had to fight two for nail to get it back. But that goes back to me being that avoidant attachment uh, and trying to run away from the relationship. Obviously, the childhood stuff as well. You know, all the domestic violence stuff I grew up with and uh, single mother, all that kind of stuff probably didn't help <laughs> how mm. I uh, my my attachment style. But um, I was going somewhere with this then. But yeah, now it's like she's obviously got some of that avoidant attachment as well, right? So she we've we've seen now the relationship's gone on. She's actually got a big, she's very secure mainly, but she's got the avoidant attachment too. So say, for example, we have some conflict, it doesn't go, uh, we have a disagreement or whatever, uh, or I do something she doesn't like, um, I won't hear about it. So she's getting better. She's making massive improvements in terms Mm. of communicating, but she just won't say anything. So then uh, I know I've done something wrong, you know what it's like, but I have to guess. And I'm like, right, how can I fix this? You know, typical man kicks in, like, let's solve the problem. And I can sometimes make it worse and go down a rabbit hole um so yeah that is that is kind of like a battle and stuff like that but um with your attachment right i'd love to know where you'd say you're at now i'm assuming you're a bit in the secure and and another thing as well is it more common for guys to be more avoidant attachment or have i made that up
1: yeah there's no study around that that i've seen i'm definitely on the side of anxious um looking back at previous relationships and even my dating period i saw how anxious i was like falling in love straight away being like needing that person, needing that external validation, sleeping around, getting my self-worth from sleeping around on dating apps and things like that. That's really anxious behavior. It can be avoidant, but it's mainly anxious, that falling in love with people really fast. And being in a great relationship will move you towards secure. So as you said, like it's on a spectrum and people are mainly secure, but they lean towards avoidant or they lean towards anxious. Very rarely people are way out on the extremes, right? So it's about knowing your attachment style and for me, it's definitely the anxious attachment style. And for anxious people, relationship breakdowns and breakups hurt a lot more generally because they're so attached to that person. Their whole sense of being is in that person. And then when that gets taken away, then like it's really easy to want to return to the crime scene, right? To want to message them again, to want to reconnect. Like All this anxiety you feel in your body and the person that can take it away, just one conversation with them can make all the pain go away. That's how an anxious experience a breakup. So it's knowing if you're going through a breakup and you're anxiously attached, that is probably going to hurt a lot more than if you're secure or avoidant. Mm.
0: What are your thoughts, my man, on uh, social media and how that's impacting uh, relationships nowadays? Because I heard someone recently and it was like, you know, people have a distorted uh, view of what relationships are like, right? With social media, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, essentially, they're delusional, And their expectations go crazy. For example, you might see, you know, a woman, she looks online, she's scrolling on social media, she sees one of her friends just got engaged, and they've shared Mm -hmm. it on social media. Or she sees one of her friends have just, I don't know, her husband just bought her a bloody Gucci bag or something like that, right? And then she's like, how come you're not doing this for me? You know what I'm saying? And she might not even say anything. It might build up in her head, though. My boyfriend or my husband's not doing this for me. They're getting this like distorted because everyone's sharing their highlight reel. Everyone's putting their best foot forward, right, on social media. It's not real life. Um, and then the other thing then is like obviously from a guy's perspective, right? It's like the guy's expecting his girlfriend or wife to be a bloody Instagram model, right? Because he's on social media. Depending on who you follow, that's down to you guys, right? But you're gonna see booties, you're gonna see Instagram models, and then you expect, you know, your wife or your girlfriend to be a Instagram model, right? Um, and it's like not reality. So what's your perspective on that, man? And I'm sure you see this play out a lot, right? How social media impacts that. And you probably got to ask your clients questions on this, right?
1: Yeah. There's a J Cole song and I can't remember the lyrics exactly. It's something like there's always going to be badder bitches out there on the tour, but you'll never be truly happy until you find yours. It's like, even though it's from a rap song, like that's (laughs) so true. There's, if you look for it, there's always going to be someone with a nicer ass or bigger boobs or like an a nicer porsche or anything like that is always going to be but if you get with that person guess what you're going to be looking for the next person and you must appreciate your partner within a relationship appreciation is the biggest thing it's seeing their value seeing what they bring to their relationship seeing all the ways that you love them because in the start of the relationship i talk about like the four phases of relationship in the start it's a honeymoon phase right you only see the good stuff and you don't see any of the bad stuff this is called infatuation And then you move through, you get into the comfort phase, all the triggers coming up. You start looking around, you start looking around in the gym, seeing other girls like, oh, fuck, my relationship isn't like this. We're not having as much sex anymore. And this can turn into a bit of resentment. So it's like infatuation to resentment. So infatuation, you only see the good. And in resentment, you only see the bad. And then eventually you work through the triggers. You learn to love the other person for who they are. You appreciate them. And then you go through that healing and growth phase. And then you can actually reach that deeper soul connection and what that is, is a perfect balance between there's things that piss me off about her and there's things that I absolutely love about her. And I love them all. It's like loving them for everything they are. That's that deeper soul connection where there's no boundaries left. There's nothing you need to hide anymore. And that's that divine unionship. I call it, when you can reach that stage. And what happens in the middle stage is that comparison piece, right? They're looking around on social media. They got access to all these happy, beautiful, wealthy people online. And they're always comparing themselves but you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. Like I've coached people who have it all on social media. They got two Porsches, they got big businesses, they're beautiful people, and then they're absolutely miserable. So you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. Love it, man. Love it.
0: As you were talking, then something just popped into my mind. I'm trying to find this post now so I can quote it properly, but he's deleted it off his pin. Uh, But that's totally fine because the long story short of it was exactly what you said then. Uh, in terms of you know uh, expectations, essentially, right? And appreciation for your partner. But also, um, it's the biggest decision you're ever going to make in your life, right? Who, mm-hmm. you decide, who you decide to spend the rest of your life with is by far, think about time spent on earth, right? And it's, I'm going to read it out roughly, but on his graph, Stephen Butler posted like, and it's it's quite grim, but cut a long story short, it's like, you know, as you get older, you see less and less of your parents, especially in our bloody case, right? Living 15,000 miles away from them. But you yeah. see less and less of your parents, You see less and less of a lot of people, your friends and everything else, right? And you spend more and more time, if you have a significant other, with that person, right? So it's the biggest decision you're ever going to make, right, my man? Mm. So, I mean, I'm sure you kind of communicate that to clients as well. And for us as well, if we're just honest, you know, to actually commit to a relationship with someone, right? And for us as well, right? especially you bro you got everything you have put it all out there on social media you got a you know youtube channel together on um or you know on youtube and everything else um and it's like you it's a big decision right for the best of us but even when you put it out there to the wall right so
1: it's yeah. something that people really need to uh take seriously you know what i mean mm-hmm. because literally the biggest decision you're ever going to make right yeah so many people pussyfoot around their relationships they're always like one foot in but one foot out like in case anything goes wrong i'm ready to run away so as soon as it gets hard guess what they do they run away they think, oh, the next relationship's gonna be better. The next relationship's gonna be better. And what they do is not, what they're doing is not facing their own shit. Because your partner's gonna be the biggest mirror for you, right? Reflecting back everything that you don't love about yourself. In the depth of it, that's what a relationship is. It's only you and you're seeing a reflection of yourself. They're triggering all those little things that you don't like about yourself and they're teaching you to love every part of yourself, right? But what happens is people don't fully commit to a relationship. So they're one foot out. Cause like I said, people run away when it gets hard. But when they do that, they're just going to keep recreating the same patterns in the next relationship. And they're like, why am I just attracting these six months relationships over and over and over again? It's like because you're not willing to face your own shit. So people must make the decision to fully commit to their relationship. I'd rather love at the depth of what love is and get hurt at the depth of what hurt is than not to love at all. But people are scared to fully commit. And in that way, they don't feel that full depth. Right. And it's the vulnerability piece. I'll talk into this quickly. So imagine one side there's all the positive emotions there's joy there's excitement there's love there's thrill there's all this and then on the other side there's pain there's hurt there's jealousy there's distraught, all this it's like in order to access these great emotions you must be willing to access these bad emotions otherwise you're just going to float around the surface and not really feel the depth of love but when you can actually be willing to expose yourself which is what vulnerability is to the bad emotions You get to experience the depth of the good emotions too. But people aren't willing to do that a lot of the time. They want the good without the bad. And that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, right? And I think, like I said to you yesterday, right? How you do anything is how you do everything, right? Mm. You
0: gotta be strong and you gotta for me, it's like difficult conversations now. I'm I wouldn't say I'm searching for conflict, right? But you know, conflict needs to happen. I think people need to need to accept that in relationships. Conflict needs to happen to help you grow. You can't Mm. avoid those difficult conversations, man. But yeah, well said. I'd love to know, throw a spanner in the works a bit here, bro. I'd love to know your viewpoint on, uh, you know, the Andrew Tate to the wall, right? Who've blown up and have put this message out there. The Red Pill community, they call it, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you know his viewpoint and everything else. What's your, because what's your, it's getting a lot of, obviously, attention from young boys, especially. Um, yeah. And a big influence, essentially. What's your thoughts on the likes of like Andrew Tate and his message? No
1: I think problem. overall, it's positive And it can be taken to the extreme, especially when there's 12 to 18 year olds listening to that and they're very impressionable and they can see women as below them. And they can see, they don't recognize the power that women bring to a relationship a lot of the time because men are driven for competition, drive, achievement, logic, just everything forward motion, outward energy. But women bring that inward energy. It's like they bring the household together. They bring the relationship together. They hold the family together. And men need to recognize that power within women. But what happens a lot of the time is they listen to Andrew Tate. They get their shit together in their own life. Like they're disciplined they're motivated. They want to make money, which is great. It's so good for masculinity. And there's a piece missing where they actually respect women and the power they bring to relationships. So overall, I'd say it is positive. I'd rather him be there than not be there. That's my view on Andrew Tate. He's making more good than he is bad, but I can recognize the bad he's creating and not fully respecting women. And I feel that's really damaging for especially young men who can't see both sides, right? As you get older, you can hold paradoxes. You can be like two truths can be like two tr- truths can exist at once. But when you're younger and impressionable, it's like, this is right. This is wrong. There's no gray area. So overall, I think he's great. And there's parts that people need to question. That's the thing. You've got to build your self-awareness up, right? To dissect some out of because you
0: cannot argue with that, right? If you argue with that, that's fine. Everyone's got their own beliefs, but- His message on, as you say, guys, go to the fucking gym, you know Mm. what I'm saying? Get your shit together, get your money up, Um, you know, work on yourself first, essentially. Because he's speaking to men primarily, right? Mm. Because on that first, right, before all the other stuff, you got to work on yourself, essentially. I love that message, what we were talking about, right?
1: Yeah, As you
0: say then, people can take things and run with it. And everything's taken to the extreme online anyway, right? So everyone's in different camps. It's like this camp or that
1: camp. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, love that. So let's and talk about that. Will, Let, just one more on. thing on that. It's the people who get offended in that is the people who don't see the power in the femininity. And most of the time it's women, right? It's women yeah, get offended. Well, yeah, most of the time, yeah. Sure. Women get triggered by that. And a lot of the time it's them not seeing how powerful they are. They're not seeing their own worth. And they feel like they've got something to prove rather than actually being happy that you've got a strong leader in the household. A lot of time they get like scared about that. They're not fully committed to the relationship and they're worried like my partners will push me down. We'll do this, we'll do that. And it's like, overall, that message is great. But within the household, you can still have those conversations to get them to appreciate each other. So overall, I think it's great, but the people that get triggered, it's like work on it inside your own relationship. Stop trying to change the world. I know because the bottom line is, right, going back to what you were saying, you know, we want to feel powerful as men,
0: right? And, yeah. oh, my God, like, you know, some people might hear that and go, oh, my God, is controlling. He wants to feel powerful. No, we mm-hmm. want to feel powerful in a sense where we can provide, we can protect. I mean, you can't argue with that stuff. It's, evol- it's millions of years of evolution, right? We're programmed yeah. that way to provide and protect. Um, and for us to be able to do that gives us, makes us feel powerful, makes us feel wanted uh, and make, because we want to contribute. We want to build, right? That's what we want to do. That's part of the masculine That's kind what of what makes us happy, right? 100%. 100%. So you feel like that, obviously, you know, the gender roles and obviously um, uh, that kind of stuff, you, you do agree with that, then, right? Essentially, in terms of gender roles and how we should not necessarily should, but like men should be leading the relationship because obviously you can't argue with that as well, right? Men, we, we should be leaders, uh, essentially, in, in my opinion. We need to be leaders. We need to be, um, you know, uh, leading the way again, providing, protecting, and all that kind of stuff. So do you think that that is the way it should be, essentially, you know,
1: having those kind of traditional roles? Yeah, there's a lot of gray in between. And overall, I say yes. And we lead in different ways. There's power from the front and there's power from the back. I feel like men are power from the front. We're driving, we're going towards stuff. But if we were just doing that without a good woman behind us, we wouldn't get half as far. So we need that power from the back, which is providing that, um, just that love and that nurture and actually making us feel like it's okay to be us and feel good enough. And like women have such a superpower in, feeling emotions at the depth they're able to feel them. When people say women are emotional, a lot of people take that as such a negative. But like we said yesterday, it's such a superpower. Women can feel that as such a deep emotion. They can bring children into the world. They've got a womb. They've got access to like everything. So you need both for a great relationship to work. And generally speaking, men are are those leaders because we're so singular focused. We're so driven. We're so competitive most of the time that it's really healthy to have that. And it's really healthy to have the feminine as well. And it's the women that have this masculine shield up who feel like I can't submit to the man. I can't be led by the man. Otherwise I'm powerless. But it's those women that don't see their own power in actually bringing the feminine and bringing that everything together. It's like most women who are in these big careers and then pushing, pushing, pushing. Most of the time they don't even want to do that. They just feel like they have to. They just don't feel safe to be in their feminine because they haven't got a strong leader in a man where they feel safe to express themselves. They feel safe to be held in that. So they have to be that masculine figure. But when we can create create strong men in the world, these leaders, then women will actually feel safe to submit and be led by that man.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, right? The modern era that we live in, in terms of um i think less and less women are, are you know having kids and stuff like that and again each to mm-hmm. their own right you're you're allowed to make your own decisions in terms of what you want out of life but i heard a recent, uh, rec- um an interesting stat recently where it was like you know 8 out of 10 women regret not having kids you know cuz they have a window right they regret not having kids and i think like the highest rate of you know people taking antidepressants i think this is an american stat is mm-hmm. women you know in careers middle age kind of thing who 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 childless women essentially right which is 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 kind of sad, right? Because um I guess women have that window as well, right? It's kind of interesting in the modern in, in the modern era, right? In terms of the yeah. information coming at us from all angles and how that
1: can kind of uh you know drive us to to do certain things or make certain decisions. Yeah, and on that childless piece, there's a crazy start. Like eight out of ten women who are childless are childless by circumstance, not by choice. So they wanted children, but a lot of the time they've missed that window. And that could be not finding a suitable mate. That's a big issue in that. Obviously, there's inf- like, There's being infertile, there's issues like that. But mainly, it's not finding a suitable mate. And a lot of the time, there's this, paradox, this thing called the tall girl syndrome that Chris Williamson made popular. And it's basically a lot of women want men that's taller than them. But if you get a six foot two girl, and they're looking for a partner that's taller than them, then it's only like 0.5% point, point of the population of men that are in that category. So it's the same with career women want men who earn more than them. And if the woman's earning two, 300,000 a year in this corporate career, and they look at the men, it's only a small amount of men who fit into that category. So it's like they often run out of choices because they want a man that's taller than them. They want a man who earns more than them. Then they get into their mid thirties. They still haven't found this person. And then all of a sudden they can't have kids anymore. And they're like, Oh, I just regret putting my career before having children. Yeah, it's pretty,
0: it's it's pretty brutal, right? Yeah, it's sad, it's right? Boss bitch, the boss bitch mentality, right? And it's almost getting um, you know, a lot of kind of it's it's being promoted essentially, right? In a lot of areas. And nothing wrong, by the way, on the flip side, there's nothing wrong with women getting out there in their own money being successful, chasing whatever they want to chase. However, if you take that too far and you miss that window, because I heard something recently, it's like guys, we have like a financial clock, right? We've got to get after, we've got to get our money up, we've got to get our wealth, right? We've got to provide, again, all that kind of stuff, which is like kind of a biological thing, right? Whereas mm-hmm. women, they have that, you know, reproduction uh, body clock. But what you said is really uh, interesting as well, and, and bang on with women's superpower, right? Being intuition, uh, their intuition, uh, their social creatures, that's what essentially helps them keep their baby alive, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like when it comes to nurture and everything else. Uh, but I was just saying to my mate recently, it's interesting how us guys we kind of have to be intentional about the social stuff and about building relationships, women, it comes naturally to them. Right. So I I like to talk about this, like, you know, men's health as well, because I think it's really important uh, because a lot of guys, you know, I talked about this on on the previous podcast, but you know, the suicide rate, you know, it's mainly guys, you know, um, doing it. And I feel like, you know, having those strong relationships, having brotherhood, right. I've kind of gone off on a a bit of a tangent here. I've switched gears, uh, caught you off guard a bit with that. But um, I feel like that's really, really important, right? For us men to be intentional about who we spend time with, with, you know, nurturing friends with other males, because that brings so much value to our life then. um, And it helps us be better, better people then, right? And, And bring that into our relationship with our, you know, significant other.
1: Yeah. It's like women feel comfortable to meet up, to meet up. Men have to meet up to do something. It's like when you meet up with men, it's to go for a walk. It's to go to the gym. It's to play golf. It's to play football. It's like men love hanging out with other men, but they don't want to just hang out with other men. And that's that barrier, right? That's that not wanting to have deeper conversations, not wanting to tap into those emotions. And a lot of the time, men are living quiet lives of desperation. So on the surface, they look like they're great. They don't want to show any weakness around them. But then under the surface, they could be struggling. They could be about to kill themselves. Like some of the happiest people on the surface could be wanting to kill themselves. Like it's that serious a lot of the time. So I really urge everyone listening to here, to this podcast, it's like, be the first to open up all the time. It's like, when you see your mate, be like, hey mate, how are you? They're like, yeah, yeah, good. It's like, how are you? Like stop, give them time to actually open up and really check in on your mates because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So it's like taking that time, being the first to be vulnerable, slowing down, asking the questions, being present with them rather than just like, hey mate, how are you? Yeah, let's go do the thing. It's like be present with your mates and actually ask the deeper questions.
0: Bro, what are your thoughts on that, man? Because I'm, I'm sure you have these chats. By the way, do you know in terms of your clients, are they mainly guys? Yeah, mainly guys. Mainly guys, yeah. How do you have that conversation with them if they ask, of course? If you I'm sure you've had this chat with them, but you talked about vulnerability then. In terms of being vulnerable in front of your girlfriend or your wife, you know, let's say, you know, crying in front of your girlfriend, for example, right? And yeah. all that kind of stuff. How do you kind of communicate that? Because we need to be vulnerable, transparent, and honest Mm. with our partner. That's key. But obviously, you can take these things too far, right? Because if you're being vulnerable and you're coming across as like, um, you know, weak, because there's nothing wrong with crying in front of your girlfriend, if tears come down your face, whatever, you've had stuff happen. I don't think that's a problem. But I feel like if something happens in your life, you have an event, let's say you lose your job or whatever, right? Mm. And you're just crying about it and you're sulking. And you're not taking action and doing anything about it that's got like a lifespan on it right so there's a there's a fine line between you know um i think this is my perspective on you know being vulnerable which is really important and actually you know breaking down uh for long periods of time um without trying to do anything about it. i think at some point you've got to overcome it and try and do something about it right whatever the problem is
1: yeah there's two sides to everything in nature right there's a balance there's homeostasis there's good and bad, there's equal things that is keeping this world spinning. And it's the same with men. You can be strong, but don't just be strong. You can be vulnerable, but don't just be vulnerable. Not saying vulnerable is the opposite of strong. Being vulnerable is strong in a sense. And it's like, women want men to be strong leaders and go, 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 and be really competitive and achieve all these things, right? Financial success, protection, And they also want to be let in to see how they're going. Women want to hold you sometimes. Women have this need to nurture people. So when they can nurture you, when you're not feeling too good, that actually builds up the attraction so much. But you don't want just that, right? Imagine you were constantly going to your girlfriend every day crying and upset and they need need to look after you. That's unattractive, right? But something that's also unattractive is attractive is you go 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 you're going after these things and you never actually slow down and be vulnerable and actually open up and show any weakness then they can't really connect with you on that emotional level right that's the emotionally unavailable man and it's the thing that women complain about the most like he just doesn't let me in he just avoids conversations whenever any confrontation comes up he just drowns himself in work he goes to the gym so it's like being able to have both is vital yeah, and it's interesting. It just came back to me, something you said
0: yesterday, right? Where it's like the small things happen in the signs that men, for example, are not picking up on. Uh, and by the way, is that right? In terms of the divorce rates, isn't it like 70 or 80% of divorces are instigated by women? Is that right? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's the stat. I think it's like 70% women, whatever. So whatever that's the facts crazy. are yeah 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 why wouldn't that surprise you just curious because um i was just going to say something then in terms of what we talked about yesterday the signs that men again it's not our superpower women in tune emotionally they're on the ball us mm. not so much right so we got to work harder with that so there's it could be lots of signs from your wife or your partner which you haven't picked up on over time and then before you know it's an eruption and she's checked out right
1: yeah that's the difference between men and women a lot of time like this is this is generalized speaking. Both men and women contain both energies, but the masculine energy, which men mainly contain, is singular focused, driven, sh- put the blinders on, nothing else exists, I'm getting this thing done. Whereas women are much more in tune. They're much more aware of what's going on. I can be working, 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 doing these things, and I haven't noticed the body wash in the shower has been out for a week. Or I, I haven't noticed like, those small things. And then Mia's is so great at holding the household together in those things because she's so aware of these things. And same thing happens in breakups. Men can be so singular focused towards these things. They miss all the signs that their girlfriend feels unloved, unseen, misunderstood. And then it gets to a point where she breaks up with him. Then out of nowhere, he's like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? That was out of the blue. But no, a lot of things happened along that time for her to break up with you. You just missed the signs. And we talked about it yesterday, the feather, the brick and the truck. You will always get signs from your relationship and your life as to what you need to change. At first, they come in feathers, so you get light signs like you're not having as much sex, you're not spending as much time together, you're arguing a bit more. If you ignore those signs, they get more severe, so you'll feel the brick. The brick can be something like she's messaging her ex, or you're secretly watching porn rather than having sex with her. If you ignore those signs and those arguments, it goes more severe, which is the truck, right? She'll either sleep with someone else because she's not feeling loved, or she'll just dump you out of the blue, out of the blue, right? Right so it's like you must see those signs coming up until like before it's too late
0: 100% man 100% um yeah and just going back to what you were saying then you hit the nail on the head then in terms of we're speaking in generalities right because there were a lot of uh, I think mainly women listening back to this they're going to get triggered there's going to be a lot of triggered people here right um yeah. but that's fine right But what you got to understand is when we're talking about you know you said generally women want a leader someone might be listening going no I don't want that I don't care if a guy earns more than me fantastic you're probably an anomaly well you are an anomaly right because i think you know they've done research on this right women date across and up right so i've mm. earning the same or, or more and all those kind of things so i can imagine a lot of women listening thinking oh no no i don't mind being the leader that's fine again you're probably an anomaly so you got to understand that we speak we have to speak in generalities right when we're doing a podcast
1: yeah and a point i want to touch on that was more in dating so they want to know the rough how much you make and all that stuff of course you're in a relationship i know so many thriving relationships where the woman makes more than the man but that doesn't matter because they're one team they've got that team dynamic They she doesn't make money he doesn't make money they make money together right they work as a team sometimes the man's holding the household together he's doing the back-end stuff he's doing the admin he's doing all the spreadsheets because men are more logical generally they can do that stuff And sometimes the woman's the creator. She's creating this amazing stuff into the world. And that's perfectly fine as well. It's not a competition in your relationship as who's making more money. Eventually, when you reach that deeper soul connection, that's when there's no more walls left. You're totally open to your woman or to your man. And often one of the last walls that break down is that financial wall when you actually join finances in your relationship and you earn money together rather than being like, I pay for this, you pay for that. It's just so much back and forth. And finances is the biggest thing that kills marriages, the biggest cause of divorce, right? So when people can actually join finances, when they've gone far enough in their relationship, and that creates so much more teamwork rather than competition. Love that, man. Yeah. And let's just uh,
0: touch on, you know, before we kind of wrap this up, I'd love to just get a bit more of an insight if you don't mind sharing with you and Mia, right? Because we talked about this yesterday, you know, Janini and I are on not the same path, a similar path. We're kind of joining forces, of course. Hmm. and you know that is the goal as well to obviously join finances and everything else um share a little bit more in terms of like you know some of the barriers maybe you've had to overcome yourself and Mia to join forces as much as you have right because you guys are doing you know in this business together um and obviously you're leveling up together right but it's going to come with challenges right and and stuff in your mind in terms of beliefs are getting way.
1: yeah absolutely it is a journey and there are things that still come up it's like oh fuck there's a block there there's a wall there that I didn't even know was there there's a boundary there that it's like wow that makes me feel shit it's like you still discover those along the way and it's making the decisions go all in with each other it's like, If like if this is my person don't be one foot out one foot in like if this is your person both of you make the commitment to fully go in on this thing so that you get to experience the depth of the human experience right rather than just pussyfooting around the surface and things that come up is when things get serious like it did for you within your like generally avoidant attachment style. It's like, Oh, I don't want to feel smothered. I don't want to feel in this relationship. The last serious relationship ended like this. That means this one's going to be the same because your brain remembers patterns from the past unconsciously. And you have these feelings come up in your body and it makes you want to run away. Sometimes it's like when you can have the awareness around, okay, this stuff's coming up for me. It's natural. It's normal. Where's the root cause of this. Okay. That's the thing. And then you actually work through it with your partner rather than just fucking running away from your problems. So the things that come up, knowing it's okay that it comes up, it doesn't mean the relationship's broken. It means there's some things that you need to work through and your relationship will bring those things up for you because it's easy to hide when you're single, right? It's easy to not show any weakness. It's easy to not show any insecurities, but moving deeper and deeper into relationship is about allowing the other person to see more and more of yourself, right? And then as they see more and more of yourself, you'll see more and more of yourself and there'll be certain things that you don't like about yourself. So it's about moving through those things and actually choosing to love yourself through that rather than trying to run away. Mm. Love it, man. Love it. That's it. Because you get that instinct. And you,
0: you said you were the way you explained it then makes so much sense to me. Like the subconscious mind, like what was happening with me? I had all this like talk in my head that I wasn't even aware of. It was just subconscious and it was making me drive action based on past experiences The way you said that then,
1: it's like, yeah, that makes so much sense. It was just all happening kind of on autopilot in a sense, right? Yeah, that's what your unconscious mind does. It wants to keep you alive, right? That's what triggers come from. And sometimes you don't even know where the triggers coming from, but your body feels it, right? You have this emotional reaction. And it happened a few months ago to me where I was in the shopping center and I was in the car park and then I saw this red car come around the corner and my body just got got anxiety, got fear, got all this horrible emotion coming up. I was like, fuck, where'd that come from? And then my conscious mind went, that car was my boss's car in a job around eight years ago. And everyone walked on eggshells around him. Everyone was scared when he pulled in in his red car. And it was the same red car. And consciously, I didn't know that. But unconsciously, my body remembered, oh, fuck, this means you need to walk on eggshells. This means you need to have anxiety and fear. So it's like crazy. And it happens in relationships too. Your brain remembers patterns from the past. And if they see it playing out again, they're like, you know what happened last time. Last time you got hurt. That means you need to protect yourself. That means you need to have fear. So your body sends you fear. So emotions is your body giving you messages, basically. So like this fear comes up, This all these emotions come up and then you can either run away or actually move through them.
0: Mate, and you just reminded me of something then as well, because I live in Bondi Junction. So it's like a little mini city and you get like, Basically, it's a nice area, right? But you get like the odd drug addict here and stuff like that, like you do in cities um, and you know, conflict, people like arguing every now and then. And whenever I hear two people arguing or someone shouting, again, because of my uh, upbringing when I was younger with the the, the domestic violence or whatever, it was more just verbal, like all the stuff I witnessed was a little bit of physical, Mm -hmm. more just verbal stuff, like constantly arguing, shouting, screaming every single day. Um, So when I hear that now, I might be doing some work, but I know if you hear someone shouting, right, you're probably going to get a little bit of fear initially. But the anxiety that I get is unbelievable if i hear like yeah. someone shout outside well like literally for a few seconds and then my, my conscious mind goes now nah, it's okay it's yeah side shouting. it's just childhood but a lot of the times we don't connect and we don't have that we don't build that self-awareness to understand well oh, actually that's just something that happened in your past and once yeah. you've got that awareness another thing was uh one uh, i used to get anxiety when it's like open loops so uh, again i think it's a childhood thing so i was told by a therapist or whatever Where And we touched on this yesterday, right? Searching for problems. As an entrepreneur, you're solving problems. If you haven't got them, sometimes you'll find them. Um, I used to get that where I would just overthink. It would just be silly things. And it would normally be in like a relationship or something where like I would overthink something. It could be anything, but I'd overthink. And the anxiety I would get, like let's say I sent a message to someone or whatever, didn't get a message back. Could be with Janini, for example, I've sent a message, didn't Is there something I've said? And then there's just cascade effect. And the anxiety used to cripple me. Uh, yeah. And I managed to, I had a, I think I had a therapy session towards the end of last year and I had that awareness go, yeah, that could, that could actually be just from, again, like a childhood pattern or whatever, because of the anxiety yeah. and stuff when you were younger, because the therapist said to me, you know, when you're young, it's like, if so, if people are fighting, let's say, you know, your, your mom and dad are fighting or whatever, and they're arguing every day, your subconscious mind just thinks, okay, is my mom going to die today? Is someone going to die today? So you're yeah. constantly in your subconscious mind. That's what, that's all your body is programmed for, right? Is like, is surviving. And it was like, when I had that moment, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So that's kind of almost gone now. Like that overthinking and anxiety, just because I had the awareness, Um, you
1: know what I mean? And like you said, um, that probably shows up in relationships too. It's like everything comes from your childhood between the ages of zero and seven. That's like the imprint period. They call it where you're just an unconscious mind. You haven't learned how the world works yet. You haven't learned right and wrong you're just learning for the first time. And the people you're around the most when you're that age is your parents, right? So if you're constantly around your parents and they're always arguing and it makes you scared, you're going to ignore conflicts in your relationship. You're going to not bring things up because you don't like confrontation because it reminds you of when you were young, when you weren't safe because your mom and dad were arguing. Everything you feel now is from childhood, or there's past life stuff. So if you want to get into that stuff, it's like everything comes from that past. So it's like, whenever it comes up now, it's like, What's my body trying to tell me? Where did this come from? Where did it stem from? And it's like discovering that is the key to all growth. Having that
0: curiosity, right? And understanding that those emotions are just signals, aren't they? Right. But a lot Mm. of times they're just going to, they're going to, they're going to govern you at times. Right.
1: Yeah. Treat yourself like a sign. Like look at yourself like a scientist. Like you're looking at a formula, you're looking at an experiment and it's like, whenever things come up for you, be curious rather than, oh, I'm broken. That means the relationship's broken. Stop jumping to conclusions and actually investigate yourself to see where that come from. Because it is fascinating. It's like, oh, that came up. Where did that come from? Ah, oh, this relationship, when this happens, like, okay, I've got awareness around that. I'll know for next time. And it just gets easier and easier and easier.
0: And that goes back to like coaching, right? Whether that be in my space, the health and fitness, nutrition space, or in the relationship space, right? You're yeah. guiding people to the right answer. You're asking them the right questions, like you said at the start. So they can then have that awareness and go right. Okay, that's what it is. I can work on it now, right? And then, and then it's something else. And then you'll work on that. And there'll be something else that'll pop up. You might get triggered. You might have a reaction to something in a relationship or dating or whatever. and Then they come back to you, and you're like, okay, why do you think that you're asking the right questions? And then, yeah. they get the next uh, light bulb moment. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. people don't understand that it's just it's not sexy. Um, these things when it whether it's getting in shape, whether it's building your uh, your relationship or attracting the right people on on you know. In the dating world, if you're single, you, you, know, you have to work on yourself first. You have to have that awareness and that, um, that kind of perseverance and determination to work through your own shit, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's what coaching gives you. It's the toolkit. Therapy is like, oh, I feel so much better when I speak to my therapist. Then I go back into my same environment and I'm arguing, oh, I'll go back to my therapist. Oh, therapy's great. It just makes me feel great. I'm going to keep doing this for years. Like that can happen. I'm not bashing therapy in the sense of it can help people at the start. But if you still need a therapist five years down the line, it hasn't worked because they haven't given you the tools to work through your own shit. You've become dependent on that therapist rather than actually having the tools to be like, oh, this stuff's come up. I know how to work through this. Here's the process. Then I can actually coach myself. I'm like, if I have a client and they're still with me in six months time, it's like, I haven't done my job properly. It's like, I give you the tools so you can work through your own shit rather than needing me for years on end. 100%. No one should be relying on the coach
0: forever, right? The goal is to make people self-sustain them, right? I always say that to my clients, although a lot of my clients do stay with me for years because they just love the structure of the community and everything else and, and, yeah. and optimizing things, right? But uh, 100%, that's, that's bang on, man. Um, One more thing I wanted to touch on was relationship therapy, right? Janini had a few sessions. Janini and I had a few sessions relationship, both of us together, uh, before she went away. And that was super helpful, again, because the awareness thing, Exactly what you were saying there with childhood. It was crazy because the the therapist was asking what why when Janina was younger. Maybe I won't I won't, I won't talk about her just in case she'll be fine. But just in case, but some some stuff happened in the childhood, right or whatever. Um, she thought nothing of it, but then it turns out. Oh, as soon as they said it, and she was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Right, that's why she has that stress response of shutting down." That makes total sense now. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But she didn't have that awareness before. Um, So it's been just having a couple of sessions for us. has really helped us uh, with the communication thing as well. It's like when one of us does something now, make a mistake, whatever you want to call it, that the other person doesn't like or makes one of us feel a certain way. We have Mm -hmm. a a process now where we step back and we can say, for example, okay, um, I'll say, for example, she might say or do something. I'll say, look, the way you said this or what you've done here made me feel like X because of X, Y, and Z. Um, And then she'll have like a, it's not a script, right? But she'll have like a process. She'll go for that. Okay. Sorry, I made you feel X, Y, Z. This is what I'll do to improve or something along those lines. So just having that rational conversation instead of being driven by emotions and then eruptions happening has been really helpful. But real quick, what's your thoughts on relationship therapy? And have you and Mia had any or uh, thought about having any?
1: We haven't had relationship therapy. We've had so many coaches back in the day. We've both invested like $50,000 $50,000 in personal development stuff, heaps of coaching, all that stuff. We've not actually had therapy itself. I've had and a lot of clarify, clients. You're both coaches, right? Because is also a coach, just for the audience. Yeah, Mia's coaching too, and we're joining forces and coaching couples. We have a new program coming out in January, which we'll touch on after. Um, And it's all... Like, relationship therapy is great, but don't wait until your relationship is at a point of despair to go and get help. Rather than being reactive like that, because imagine you were reactive about your physical health instead of proactive. It's like, all right, when I get diabetes, when I get a heart attack, then I'll start exercising. It's like, no, you don't do that. You're proactive. You exercise so you don't get a heart attack or diabetes. Why don't you take that lesson and put it into your relationship? It's like, let's work on our relationship. Let's get some relationship coaching. Let's get relationship therapy because our relationship's good and we want to make it great. Rather than being like, we're about to break up. How can we save this marriage? You must be proactive about the issues that are showing up rather than letting them spiral into a point of despair. And it's the same thing I see with men. It has to get to a point where they're super depressed. They're anxious until the point they can't leave their house. They maybe have suicidal thoughts. They're attempting the suicide. And then they're like, okay, now I need help. It's like, no, you needed help ages ago, but you just didn't reach out your hand. And it's the same thing in relationships. So I feel like relationship therapy is... Brilliant for couples. It's like, just don't become reliant on it for years. Love it, bro. Literally, man, throughout the course of this podcast and
0: yesterday, you've actually sold me into like coaching because I'm thinking I've had a lot of therapy myself, which has been helpful. But again, I'm very much like a problem-solving person. So I naturally, not everyone will do this. I'll extract what I've got out of the therapy session and then I'll mm. do something to implement. And I'll always say, like my uh, the therapist that was the best, she always used to give me homework anyway. She, you can see she's very much like we're saying now, right, this is the problem. I want you to do this implement it. And then you can come back and we can revisit that and then do the next thing. But even she said, like, you're only going to need a few sessions or whatever. But coaching, relationship coaching, man, that's kind of like, why Why haven't I thought about that before? And next time we do it, perhaps we should look into that, right? So we can actually uh, work on solving the problems potentially more proactively, right, bro? But look, man, I could talk to you forever. We'll probably do a round two at some point, mate, honestly, because literally, I love talking about this stuff. I love learning from experts in the field like yourself. But tell us about your new program. Anything you know you've got going
1: on, and where the audience can find you? Yeah. So originally, I was coaching men around relationships. That was my niche, and I was coaching women as well, but it's mainly messaging around men. And what I found is women are generally the first to reach out and initiate help. They're the, they're more willing to do work on themselves. They're more willing to make that first point of contact to someone to actually help them. So it's like. We're changing our messaging a bit and coaching around relationships, like especially just relationships. A lot of people are dating coaches, but we are um, specialize in relationships and especially around the topic of conflict, like the triggers and the insecurities that come up, the conflicts, the arguments, this stress-filled relationship that people are living with forever and they just don't have the tools to get through it. Both partners love each other, but love isn't enough. Love is just an amplifier, right? If you have jealousy in your relationship, love's just going to amplify that. But if you have a secure relationship, love's going to amplify that. So we actually give them the tools to work through their conflict, to work through all the stuff that comes up for them, to identify where it comes from, to learn each other's values, to appreciate each other's values, to set goals together, to set goals separately, power dynamics, like all this stuff. And it's all inside a program that's coming out in January. So on the 11th of the 1st, I'm not sure when this is coming out, um, called Conflict Codes. So super excited for that to launch. And yeah. Change some more lives. Perfect timer, bro. I think this is coming out. I haven't decided yet yeah, the third or the 10th of January. So
0: happy nice. days. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can, yeah. So, or oh, I can just release it after that anyway, man, if you want to do that and I can put the link down in the show notes, whatever. It's easy, man. Um. So yeah, love that, dude. And so, literally I can keep talking all day. I got to be careful here, but there's one more thing I'm really curious about. And I think the audience might be as well. Do you ever feel pressure, right? With your relationship to be perfect? I did in the start. I want to just hold my hand. Not that I, and anyone should ever expect that, but Mm. it's interesting the world we live in nowadays, isn't it? When you look on Mm. social media, it's like, they should be perfect. Oh, he's made a mistake. Okay. Unfollow. Okay. He's not, it's like a load of bullshit. You know what I'm saying?
1: Like everyone's I still find myself trying to be perfect to people and it's how fast you can catch yourself in that time and be like, why am I doing this? Oh, that's just an ego thing. That's me wanting to feel good enough, feel worthy, prove myself, And it's like, oh, that's the place it's coming from. Okay. I didn't need to do that. But yeah, I still catch myself doing that stuff, but it's the weakness. weakness, It's the imperfections that create the friction for you to actually love your partner. If they were perfect, you're just two shiny surfaces and you rub off it against each other. It's not really friction, but if you're two imperfect people, it's like sandpaper, right? You both stick to each other and you both get to work together. So that's how I see it. I do catch myself trying to be perfect, but it's not so much in the relationship anymore. It's like the outside world, what I show social media, and that sometimes pops up, and like, all right, that's where it came from. I get to work through that, and that's the benefit of having the tools that coaching gives you.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. By the way, man, I know we were going to meet. You were in Bali at one point, weren't you? We were going to try and meet up uh, last yeah, year, in Bali, you know? same time. That's right, man. We have to meet up in person, bro. So uh, we'll have to make that happen. We ever come down here, or I go up there, or wherever in Bali at the same time again? We need to meet up in
1: person, bro. Yeah, that'd be great. Hundred percent. wicked man.
0: So where can the audience find you on
1: social media and stuff? I'll put add it. Yeah, in the, sh- the best best place is Instagram. So Charlie Owen and Coach probably be a link in the show notes. Awesome, man! Reach awesome. out to me there. Always willing to have conversations. Help you out. Fantastic. What's your YouTube channel? It's Mia and Charlie.
0: Okay, lovely. Go subscribe to that as well, ladies and gents. Right, and go and follow him on uh, social media because his uh, content is amazing. But bro, thanks a lot for coming on, man. I really really enjoyed that.
1: Awesome, brother. The Olchamariyan, which means thank you very much.
0: I'm not even going to try and say it, bro. (laughs) Because my pronunciation will be absolutely woeful.
1: (laughs) Maybe you can say it in Portuguese.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Obrigado. That's much easier. (laughs) That means thank you. Cheers, bro.
1: Cheers,
0: mate. Ciao.